I'm Matt Kierkegaard, and this is the second episode of our special Brews News Live from Gabs in Melbourne series. Thanks to Bintani, providing the best ingredients for your beer, Brews News was able to take our mobile studio to Gabs and capture some great discussions with a wide range of people in the beer industry. Now, in just a few weeks, changes will come into force that will see brewers able to use much smaller keg sizes without an excise penalty. There has been much discussion about what that means for brewers and how many will be taking up that opportunity. I sat down with two people who I thought would have a handle on all things kegs. Andrew Higginbotham, General Manager, Australia New Zealand for Kegstar Kegs, and Lincoln Kelly, General Manager for Keg Services. We look at the changes that will take place and what brewers have been asking them about those changes. I ask what Lincoln and Andrew predict will change and how they are gearing up to cater to their projections. If you think that what goes into a keg is interesting, this will show you that the business of stainless is worth some attention to. As you listen, remember this was recorded in Gabs, Melbourne, with all of the noise that entailed. Thanks to our producer, Joe Helder, for making it work despite those challenges. And now, enjoy my chat with Andrew Higginbotham and Lincoln Kelly. And thanks to Bintani, who handpicked the best, whether it's the best ingredients or the best guests for a podcast live from Gabs 2019. And our next chat is with Lincoln Kelly from Keg Services and Andrew Higginbotham from Kegstar. Welcome, guys. G'day. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Matt. Now, guys, reason, now I know that you guys are in competing businesses, but you both supply kegs to, to the brewing industry, and we're coming up to a major change in the industry with the change of the excise requirements that are going to see the potential for brewers to use smaller kegs without a financial impost. Um, as we record this at Gabs in Melbourne, that's about six weeks away. Yeah, Lincoln, maybe tell us a little bit about uh, keg services first. Sure. You, you uh, uh, sell kegs? Yes. Yeah. So uh, I suppose really briefly... Um Matt, yeah, we, we, uh, we started about five years ago as a spin-off from the Bintani business, um, and we are wholly dedicated to servicing, repairing, and supplying kegs into the trade. We do a, a bit of work with Kegstar as well, so we're not, we're not true competitors, as you say. We, uh, we collaborate. We do a lot of the service work, repairing Kegstar kegs to ensure that they're operational. Um, but yeah, we do, we do sell kegs as well. So yeah, in terms of... Um, uh, apart from our servicing work, uh, in selling kegs, we can definitely give you some insight and give you some ideas of how that uh, that excise change is starting to play out, even though it hasn't occurred yet. And Andrew Higginbotham, uh, Kegstar is no stranger to, uh, to to a lot of the brewers who, who listen to the uh, program, but maybe just tell us a little bit about uh, you know what, what Kegstar, because your business is constantly evolving. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Matt. And uh, nice to be with everyone. Uh, yeah, for many of the brewers out there in the industry, they've probably known and grown uh, with Kegstar over the years. Um, so established in 2012. And, um, God, hasn't, the, doesn't time fly? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. No, and it's been a bit of a ride, as I know it has been for a lot of the brewers out there. Um, but in short, um, we offer uh, two different types of services to the brewing industry. Um, the first one is we run a pool-in model when it comes to kegs. Uh, so uh, we take the hassle out of uh, owning and managing a fleet uh, and take that off the hands of the brewers so they can concentrate on doing what they do best. And the second model we have is a leasing business. Um, 
which is a bit more straightforward uh, in terms of brewers will lease kegs uh, and where they can control the flows of those kegs, whether it be through tap rooms or venues nearby. Um, that model tends to uh, work well for them. We, we are coming up to the uh, 1 July excise changes. Um, maybe sort of, uh, from both of you, are you expecting a sudden flood of orders for 20, 30 litre kegs uh, coming in? Have you had that already? Yeah, it's a really good question. It's a really good question. Um, we've been chatting with a lot of brewers across the industry over a number of months now and trying to get a bit of a feel of the appetite um, for the, the change that's happening on 1 July. Uh, in short, everyone seems to be pretty excited about it, um, but at this moment is hard to quantify exactly what it's going to be. Um, I think the excitement's been drawn about through a number of different areas. Um, of course, it presents a huge opportunity for incremental growth. Um, so whether that be through channels that they haven't previously been able to unlock, uh, whether it be through specialty or limited edition brews that they want to um, share to a wider reach, uh, whether it be through awards or uh, numerous other areas. And, and, then, and then secondly, probably from a functional point of view in terms of being a for, smaller format and being a little bit easier to handle. Um, but the indicative feel out there is that the opportunity is all incremental. Uh, it's opportunities that um, don't exist today or can't be unlocked today that can be tomorrow. And I think that's where the excitement um, is lying. Just for, for me, who's not really in the, uh, the, the, the the industry, when you say incremental, so we're not going to, you don't anticipate we'll see a lot of existing um, pubs and, and, and customers suddenly demand smaller kegs, but you might see that the opportunity to use smaller kegs might open some new markets in the terms of smaller venues or you know, that, that maybe currently don't have tap beer. Is, is that what you're talking about, about uh, incremental um, changes? Yeah, spot on. I think um, what we see is that, you know, particularly in these small bar formats um, where space is a huge issue um, or a challenge um, more than anything else, it presents the opportunities from a functional point of view to be located and open up distribution in those particular areas. Um, so yeah, that's that's the short of it. Lincoln, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I tend to agree with uh, with Andrew's points. I think uh, to give you a bit of background, we uh, consciously made a decision about nine months ago to uh, start um, offering some smaller keg formats ahead of the uh, the change. So we, uh, apart from our fifty liter kegs in Euro and DIN that we've always sold into the market, uh, we're, we're the distributor for a, a, a premium uh, German brand called Frankie Blafer. We started to bring in um, some 30-litre and 20-litre options. So we always had a 30-litre slim keg in our range, uh, which was always, again, just a, uh, I suppose, an incremental opportunity uh, prior to the excise changing. But um, but deliberately in the last six months, we've had stock on the ground of 20-litre kegs and uh, another format of 30-litre keg. So just different shapes and sizes to really try and test the market ahead of the excise change. Knowing all, uh, I suppose, our view was that most brewers probably won't make uh, decisions to purchase kegs in any great numbers before the change. Um, But as a supplier, we wanted to be ready and prepared and test the market. So I suppose the evidence I can give you over the last nine months is that um, the the 20 litre format has been of more interest uh, than the 30 litre kegs, which surprised me. What do you think is driving that? Look, I'm not exactly sure. I, I think there's probably a combination of reasons. One is that um, you know some of those beers with higher alcohol content that maybe aren't as sessionable, so they're not pouring as 
uh, as, as readily as the, you know, the sessionable beers. Um, you know, the 20 litre and maybe 30 litre are, are far more um, uh, viable from a supply chain and freshness point of view. Um, the 20 litres are also fairly uh, adaptable to being um, refrigerated. You know, in some applications they can be put in a fridge or, you know, part of a temperate type system. So I think, I think that's driving some of it. Um, but I think, you know, there's some brewers that have definitely been um, forward thinking and getting some kegs into their fleet ahead of the excise change to also test their own, uh, I suppose, their own thoughts around how it might work for them, not just waiting till 1st of July. But I have no doubt once 1st of July hits, we'll get uh, an increase in interest. So, so for us at the moment, yeah, 20 litre, uh, probably in my mind 12 months ago, was not going to be that viable, but I think is now very much going to be a critical addition to our fleet of kegs for sale um, and that combination of a couple of different shapes and sizes in the 30 litre range so so the din 50 which is what the uh, the mainstay keg star is we've got a, a din 30 which is stackable so it's compatible to sit on top or underneath those existing 50 litre kegs uh, so from a storage point of view very handy very easy to uh, sort of mix in amongst your 50 litres without complicating things and um, and our 30 litre slim has always been a, a good seller. Are you hearing any resistance from brewers like uh, any of the arguments against going to smaller like, you know, for example to put out 60 litres of beer in um, 20 uh, litres you're basically filling have to handle three kegs whereas 50 litres you only handle one. Look I, I'm not uh, hearing any resistance at all quite okay. frankly I don't think I've heard anything negative about the change I think it's 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 all uh, upside really because ultimately what it's doing is just harmonizing that existing uh, lowest point of excise down to those smaller kegs so really all it's doing now is providing greater flexibility for the brewer to offer different package sizes for different reasons so I think um, you know whether it's freshness or whether it's a you know, it's a it's a stout at nine percent that's not going to sell as readily in a fifty liter uh, format. I think it's all upside for the brewers, really, in terms of that point you make. Andrew, have you got any observations about whether there's any resistance to it, or, or what you're noticing about demand? Have you had any pre-orders? Have you noticed that that twenty liter it seems to be the sweet spot? No. Um, the short answer is our feedback's been pretty consistent, which what Lincoln's just mentioned. Um, there's strong interest across the board, um, particularly in the areas that he's covered off. Uh, and uh, all in all, uh, everyone seems to be quite positive about it. Um, so a bit of context, uh, we've, uh, we've had a, a 30 litre offer in the fleet for so- quite some time. Um, it certainly um, played and served a purpose for those people um, that it's been more relevant for. Um, but obviously with the excise change, then it becomes a bit more commercially relevant. Um, we've also gone and invested in a fleet of 20-litre slimline kegs. So we have the first uh, set of those arriving in the next few weeks. So they roughly look like a cor- the old corny keg, but in, in, in more robust modern... Yeah, spot on. Yeah, not dissimilar to the, the, the old corny kegs. Um, similar height to the 50-litre, um, but obviously the surface area in which they cover on the ground is a lot, lot narrower. So um, we've gone ahead and purchased those on the feedback, really, from brewers and the conversations that we've had. Um, and so what are the advantages of, of that narrower format, of the tall but narrow 
keg. Yeah, it, it builds on what Lincoln touched on before in that um, some of those locations under bars or in spaces where um, space is a premium <laughs> and, a, and a, a luxury. Um, it, but we're also hearing that in, in retail. So, for example, because cans have become so popular in retail, cans are shorter than the, the old tall neck bottles. And so there's a lot of pressure from retailers for um, brewers to put beer in cans because otherwise all you need is one bottle in, in, in a row and you're, you're losing four or five inches. On um, the shelf height. Yeah, which over, over, the, over a stack of shelves can be one or two whole shelves. Yeah. And, and it, is that the same sort of thing? that? Yeah, absolutely. It all, it's all about space. And it's space that's a premium and, and managing um, whether it be a cellar or whether it be behind the bar or in the in all the different areas, some um, movements. So, so yeah, we've gone ahead and, and taken a bit of a leap um, on that front. Um, we've certainly um, anticipate, as as Lincoln's touched on, that there'll be a good incremental opportunity um, that will certainly continue to pick up uh, as and when first um, of July kicks by. But to come back to your question, have we had orders already? Absolutely. So we've got people um, that have uh, put forecasts in the system and orders in the system for as and when those kegs arrive. So there's definitely a um, part of the, uh, the community out there that's um, getting ready for it. And then I think uh, as time comes on, we'll learn a little bit more uh, when the new financial year kicks over. So what else is happening in the space of kegs? So you're very much waiting for 1 July. You've got kegs in stock. So if there is a sudden rush of orders, you've got kegs in stock. What do you think will happen after 1 July that might change the way that uh, you know, keg sizes? Yeah, I think that's a, that's the crystal ball, isn't it, Matt? It's, uh, <laughs> it's hard to know. But I, I, look, I, our uh, best estimate in our business is that, um, yeah, for the next 12 months, I think we'll see a, a very strong focus on uh, people migrating to these smaller keg formats to, to support their 50-litre fleet. I don't think it's going to be revolutionary where, you know, uh, in most cases, if we talk generally, I think the, the 50 litre format is still going to be the, the bread and butter of um, package size for, for draft beer, especially, I suppose, in Australia with such a big proportion of those beers being sessionable beers. They, you know, on taps that are moving big volume, the 50 litre is still going to be far more commercially viable to do, to do it that way. Um, so I think it, for our, from our point of view, we see this sort of, I suppose, if I can call it a spike in the first year, maybe where 30% of our sales or interest will come out of these, these smaller formats um, and we'll t- tweak our offering, which I'm sure as Kegstar will too, um, to, to meet that demand and make sure that we've got kegs available. Um, that's always what we've tried to do, you know, and not, not speaking for Kegstar, but we've always tried to anticipate the market and have stock ready um, for, for any sort of trend or change. And this is a big one. It's a significant one. But yeah, I don't think it's going to be revolutionary. I think the, the 50 litre will still be the, uh, the workhorse of the, uh, the draft space. Is there anything that you're keeping an eye on that might significantly change that? Um, you know, for example, I've heard that major brewers, which have invested heavily in owning 50 litre kegs, um, are resistant to any changes in, legis- you know, in legislative, uh, you know, maybe occupational health and safety because they have such a huge investment in the larger format that they don't want necessarily want to change. Um, is there anything that you're monitoring that might change that sort of demand or might, might force a, 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 a bigger than anticipated demand for smaller kegs? Yeah, I, I think that's a really, uh, it's a really uh, 
a thoughtful point because I, I suppose in, in my view personally it's not being spoken about a lot at the moment although there is some you know some commentary around it and it's been there for a long time because the reality is when you fill a 50 litre keg the uh, the gross weight is well into over 60 kilos it's probably 63 or 64 kilos um, I think the um, the manual handling space is uh, is an opportunity to to improve um, you know and, and I suppose whether that's through legislation to, to have better equipment to, to handle vessels that size or indeed a combination of that and uh, making some uh, changes around the 50-litre keg and, and reducing the size of that keg. Just, just as a bit of interest, there is, um, there is instances overseas in Europe where um, that has happened and there's been uh, a need to take existing fleets of 50-litre kegs and actually modify them to be smaller kegs. And there is ways to do that. We don't have the equipment in Australia, but yeah. there, there, yes, but, but yes, if there's but a demand for it, I'd imagine you get it fairly quickly. Absolutely, mate. and there <laughs> and there is that it is available. So, so probably to answer your question, what have we done? We keep an eye on it, and we definitely have a means to uh, access that sort of specialised equipment where you would take a section of the an existing keg out. You, you would obviously need a va- large volume of kegs to make it commercially viable, but it, it has happened overseas. So in Europe, in particular, where they've taken a fleet of fifty litre kegs and made them into 30-litre kegs. So not having to scrap the keg, but modify an existing 50-litre keg. So, so these things have happened. They're not that common, but, but, but those sort of uh, opportunities are available, and we keep abreast of that because of our, I suppose, our expertise around servicing and preventative maintenance of kegs in, at keg services. I suppose Kegstar is fortunate to be sort of part of a global network. So we've got a business over in the UK and Ireland and um, soon to be the Netherlands. Uh, we've got a business in the US, um, we send uh, send some kegs through um, Southeast Asia and a variety of different areas. But so to provide a bit of context and to build on what Lincoln was just saying, our UK business is built primarily on a fleet of thirty litre kegs, and the kegs that will be entering the Netherlands market will be a fleet of twenty litre kegs. Why is that? What's driving? Is that just common, uh, you know, accepted sizes over there, or is there? Is there some reason that's driving those particular sizes in those markets? Yeah, there's no one single reason um, as part of it. So it's not necessarily a commercial reason. It's not necessarily a health and safety reason. It's a little bit of a historic piece there as part of it. But certainly um, what Lincoln touches on in terms of examples in other markets across the world, we we keep a close eye on that through our businesses around the world and... and uh, and our brewing community that we deal with everywhere um, to understand what's developing and what's changing and to uh, to really try and stay one or two steps ahead of the curve uh, when it comes to those significant changes that may have repercussions across an industry. Now, the, the question I was going to ask uh, before was, what's driving that business expansion? Is it because you are part of the global Brambles um, group, you know, global Brambles operation, and you have the capacity to expand internationally because of that? Or does that facilitate um, more seamless exporting of beer, for example? You know, does you having various uh, bases around the world uh, make it easy for Australia to export to New Zealand or Australia into Asia or Australia to the UK and not have to then worry about those one-way kegs or some of the other keg options? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I should clarify up front that um, we operate as a complete stand-alone business. Um, so uh, we have a shareholder, which you touched on, um, the Brambles Group. Um, however, we run as a complete separate entity around the world and we're very much at arm's length. It's just a, 
no dissimilar to a normal shareholder arrangement and operating company. Um, part of our expansion has been really driven by the model uh, and the relevance of the model across different markets. Um, but also due to the demand of uh, brewers coming to us and talking about where to next. And I think um, we see a huge amount of appetite for international uh, opportunities and to continue to unlock different parts of the market. Um, and it, it's something that um, it will continue to grow and evolve, I think, as, uh, as the craft beer category in so many markets around the world continues to capture share um, and continues to grow and expand. So... Um, so, you know, look, our, uh, our expansion plans globally uh, is part of just being part of a fast growth business uh, and uh, having a really strong um, value proposition, something that works um, and something that meets demands. That was really what I wanted to touch on. Is there anything else that we should be thinking about around 1 July and keg sizes or even just around 1 July and the excise from a, a keg supply point of view? Oh, look, yeah, I think it's it's a broad question, Matt. I think um, we were just encouraging, I'm sure. And it's only because I've run out of questions. Yeah, yeah. So, no, so no, I've covered the areas I wanted, but I just I, I just don't want to miss the chance to have no, uh, have you on. Sort of, is there any totally issues in, in the keg space? Yeah, look, all I'd say to, to sort of capstone that would be that um, given it is such a significant change, it's probably gone by without too much fanfare. And I think if you, if you, you know, and the brewers and the owners of breweries have really sit back, and I'm sure they do, think about the change um you know the opportunities are probably not uh you know they're they're, they're quite infinite you know they probably haven't really got to grips with what it might bring them so i think everyone's taking a fairly uh easy approach to it but i look i just suggest and i'm sure i speak on behalf of andrew here that you know we work in this space every day we we would love more feedback if anyone's prepared to offer it to us because what we want to do is try and meet your needs so um you know talk to us um talk to our people um uh we don't profess to know everything and i think uh, with such a significant change, we're keeping a very open mind about where this might go in terms of uh, keg formats, the, the, you know, the shape and size of these uh, smaller, and uh, we call it packaging, but you know, smaller stainless steel vessels, um, and just how many might sort of come into the market and, and over how long, Matt. You know, it, as I said before, we've sort of targeted, we think 30% of our sales next year will be smaller format, but it might be more than that. It's very hard to predict with such a significant change you know, that hasn't, I mean, the excise hasn't been touched in Australia for, I think it's nearly two decades, right? Maybe longer. So I think it's, it is going to be a really interesting phase over the next 12 to 18 months. You call it interesting. I call it exhaustingly dynamic. Trying to sort of anticipate and then keep up with the changes and the, uh, the unexpected changes. Uh, Andrew, anything, from your, anything on the horizon for kegs from your point of view? Look, I'd just encourage everyone to have a chat. Pick up the phone um, when you're uh, speaking with any of the team. Uh, have a yarn to them. Um, share a few thoughts. Uh, we're here to support the industry. And, and actually, that, that, that raises a good point. And, and not sales pitch or anything like that, but you guys can only provide the, you, you provide a service to brewers. Um, you rely on feedback from them about what their needs are so you can make projections and tailor your services, I'd imagine. Yeah, spot on. I mean, um, uh, that feedback for us helps guide our decisions as a business. There's no doubt about it. And so... The more the dialogue happens, the more frequent it happens, um, the better outcome I think we can uh, deliver for everyone across the industry. Yeah, Matt, Matt, just one more comment I'd make too, and it's, I know it's going to sound like a sales plug, but I think you know, the big thing for us is about preventative maintenance. You know, a lot of the kegs in the, uh, the craft segment are still relatively new, but they're, they're starting to age. Um, and our business, we see ourselves really at that, at that forefront of being uh, ready for kegs that need preventative maintenance or repair once they 
don't hold pressure or seals have failed. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, look, look, look out for us in the future. We want to keep talking about this, educating the market and ensuring that, you know, that kegs as they get to 5, 10, 15 years old are well maintained to uh, keep, keep, you know, the, the, the brewer's product as fresh uh, as available and, and ensure that, you know, in-trade failures are minimal. And to that point, without, you know, obviously I'm sure Andrew doesn't mind me saying we we definitely work with Kegstar to help them with their fleet, you know, and keep their fleet going, making sure that they're, they're, they're properly maintained. So that should give, uh, I suppose, the brewers in our market confidence that we're collaboratively working together for their benefit. Well, I, I need to stop myself from saying Kegstar services every time I refer to one of you. So uh, maybe there's an avenue for merger. I could sort of uh, come in as a bit of an M&A uh, consultant to oh, make we, it. We like our independence. <laughs> like the industry, we like our independence. I've been on the town with uh, Lincoln before, and uh, that sort of merger uh, ends up in the wrong place. <laughs> well, Andrew Higginbotham, Lincoln Kelly, uh, Kegstar and Kegstar Services, respectively. Thank you very much for giving us a little bit of uh, taking some time out of uh, your Gabs 2019 to tell us a little bit about uh, kegs, and uh, we'll make sure that we put links to both of you in, in, in uh, the show notes so anyone that wants to find and, and give you that feedback or ask questions about. Um, changes in forecasting uh, for, for, for kegs after 1 July. Thanks for your time, guys. Thanks, mate. Yeah, good on you, Matt. Thank you. And that was Andrew Higginbotham and Lincoln Kelly. Not only do I thank them and also Bintani, we thank Craig, Steve and Guy and the whole Gabs team for the use of the space that we use for our studio and we congratulate them on another incredible Gabs Melbourne. If you haven't been to Gabs and especially if you haven't been to Gabs Melbourne, make sure you do yourself a favour and get along. It really is one of the world's great beer festivals. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au.